What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the High Button Podcast. My name is Justin Belanger. It is a beautiful Saturday morning here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, May 25th, 2019. The Memorial Cup has been a tremendous week for us at the High Button. It's been a tremendous week for hockey. It's been a tremendous week for the Canadian Hockey League. It's just been, it's been just awesome. Uh, the Mooseheads are in the final. They're going to be playing another Q team, Rouen, uh, in the Memorial Cup finals on Sunday. Two Quebec Major Junior Hockey League teams in the final. That's a good look. Uh, that's a good look for that league. Two great teams going head to head for the high button. We have two guys on the team that have been on the podcast, uh, Rafi and Heinem. So that's kind of a good look for us. It's a win win. Whoever wins, um, you know, we're hoping to go onto the ice and. Uh, and you know, celebrate with the boys. We it's a great. It was honestly a great week for us to uh, to network. We met so many people uh, in the media world, on the training staff world. Even we even met players. Like uh, we were introduced to. Um, uh, like I met uh, Dobson there for a bit, um, and you know it was great just to be around Heinem in a hockey setting. We were talking to Rafi during the media. Uh, I met Justin Barron for the first time. Just bunch, just a bunch of great kids, young uh, NHL careers in front of them, and it just makes us feel like we're part of the game once again. I said in a blog that we wrote earlier in the week that I understand why people love this job so much, which is the media world. It's because you're allowed to be around the game and almost feel like you're you're back part of it. I I love um, you know being around when the guys are warming up. I love. Uh, the media scrum after and before the game, um, and I just I, I love talking to everyone in the media world. It's just the it's a great world to be in. Everyone loves what they do. There's no animosity between anyone. Anyone, you know. Sometimes you work a job and you'll see people that aren't too fond of their job, or there'll be pe- there'll be people that are upset with their management and they'll complain. There's just none of that. Everyone's just happy to be there. Happy to be around. Uh, you know, the sport of hockey, happy to be reporting it to the world. It's just a great group of people. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to be to be with a great group of uh, individuals this week. Like I said, when we're in that media scrum, it's CBC, uh, Sportsnet, Global, some of the biggest networks in the world, or at least in Canada. And just to be able to sit down, have dinner, and then Colby Armstrong sitting across from me, it's an amazing feeling. It's, uh, it's very cool. So, you know the experiences. The experience has been awesome. Myself and dudes are, are just you know we're on cloud nine right now. Our stock is rising. People that are seeing that, people that see uh, us at the Memorial Cup, you know it's only a good look. It's it's a great look that we're there. Um, and like I said, we're investing our time into things like this. So hopefully down the road we'll you know one day we might be at the NHL finals. That's how you move up. We were at the Telus Cup. Now we're at the Memorial Cup, and then who knows? We'll be at the Stanley Cup final. Maybe not this year, but down the road. Who knows? Anything's possible. That's what I'm starting to figure out. Anything's possible. You can do absolutely anything that you put your mind to. You would have told me a year ago that we'd be at the Memorial Cup finals. You're crazy. I was just literally sitting in my basement talking to my buddies, starting a podcast. 
a year later, we decided to, you know, do some cool shit where we're giving the opportunity and we're taking advantage of it. What do they say? Uh, they go, luck is the definition of opportunity and preparation, I think they say. And I'm starting to believe that. Opportunity has come to Halifax, uh, which is the Memorial Cup, and we're prepared for it. So we applied, we got in, and bada boom, bada bing, we're there. Anyways, you can do anything you put your mind to, absolutely anything. I do truly believe that. Um, and yeah, thanks again for rocking with the high button. It's been an amazing week. Today on the podcast, I'm actually very excited about this episode. We, uh, Michael Couch and myself met this week actually at the Memorial Cup. He was up in the Skybox area. I was up in the Press Box area. We ran into each other. Uh, we were both fans of what we did. He was a fan of the high button. I'm a fan of his hockey career. He actually played for the Halifax Mooseheads for a bit, so we're going to talk about that. And also, he played for Rouen, so that's kind of funny. He played for Halifax and Rouen, the two teams that are in the finals on Sunday. Also played for the St. Thomas University. I'm not sure what their mascot is called, but St. Thomas University in the AUS. Uh, and then he also played a bunch of years professionally. I think eight years professionally. He was over in Mississippi. Um, you know, he was over in Rapid City Rush. He was in Arizona as well. He was all over the place. The guy's an absolute stud. He trained with Marshawn and all those boys here in the summer. So I'm sure he has tons of stories about training with those guys. And he just came up in an era where you know, he came up in that Crosby era. He came up in that Marshawn area, area, era, sorry. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a great podcast. He seems like a great guy. He's very well known in the hockey community. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great, great podcast. It's been a great week. I hope you guys have been enjoying our content. The high button lives on, baby. Here we go. High button, you know what comes next. just pull the audience <laughs> we'll figure it out all right mike we're going thanks for coming to the show man hey no problem thanks for having me if uh seen some seen some good episodes and like what you guys are doing so just happy to be here and help uh bring uh, bring some awareness to the maritimes oh i appreciate that you seem like a well-connected guy man everyone that you're running into this week at the mem <laughs> cup arm dog all the boys yeah it's been a bit of a, a homecoming of sorts um you know, I obviously I played for Halifax and played for Rouen, and then uh, my roommate in uh, the East Coast League in Johnstown, and uh, again in Rapid City, Dan Gender was the assistant coach for Prince Albert. So you yeah. know, the Olive Branch was extended to three of the uh, organizations that were here, and yeah. then you know, obviously if Ottawa had a, had a made it out of the OHL, um, I played for Andre in Rouen, and obviously when he was coaching here in Halifax, we connected because I had just finished playing and. Yeah. was headed uh, to prep school to, to start coaching. So I relied on him a lot for some guidance and things like that. So, you know, I was kind of hoping Ottawa was going to make it, but Hey, the owner of Guelph's uh, a Fairview guy. So, yeah. you know, Hey, good to have another, another Haligonian back in. I didn't uh, know he was a Fairview guy. Yeah. Not, not a lot of people do, but uh, you know, he's, he's pretty, pretty well connected around here. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's not too often you, you find people that have the, uh, the pockets to purchase a junior team, especially a major junior team and, and be successful like they have in Guelph. Uh, I've got a couple of buddies that that I played against that have called uh, Guelph home now, and it's wow. uh, it's quite an organization. Have you ever been to Guelph? Yeah, I've been there a few What's times. What's that like as a city? Um, I've been there for two different reasons. One was obviously to see my buddies and, and have a good time and golf and party in the summers, and the other I actually uh, spent three months there uh, two years ago um, after I retired. Um, well, you know, it's, uh, I didn't, I didn't deal with a lot of the, the, the demons that I had or the loss of identity after spending my whole life being a hockey player. Yeah. And, 
you know, all of a sudden it was like, you know, you stop playing. It's like, you know, you always talk about, oh, you can't do this forever. But when it happens. How old were you? Uh, right now or when it happened? When it happened. When it happened, I was 31. 31, okay. 31. Um, I just turned 31. I just finished my ninth year professionally. Wow. And my body was really starting to break down on me. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like I was totally upset or it was like, hey, it's time. And I said to myself, you know, kind of 30 was the cutoff date. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it became just, I didn't deal with a lot of the mental, the mental health side of it and identity loss, career change, any of that stuff, right? Because yeah. a lot of people that do end up playing junior hockey or going to university, you deal with that when you're in your early 20s or as a teenager <clears> or, you know, if you're lucky enough to maybe even get, you know, a, a cup of tea or an invite to a professional level or something, then mm. it's it's still going to be, you know, your early to mid-20s max where you're like, can I, is this feasible to do for a living or am I just chasing, you know, an empty glass or something to just try to fill my days or because I don't know what I want to do. And yeah, again, your times have changed is good and I'll never, you know, be upset about the time, the era that I grew up in because it was amazing. But a lot of the stuff that caused a lot of my problems now was the secretism and the quiet, you know, you're a part of something special if you're, you know, uh, a major junior hockey player or university hockey player in the Maritimes or even a professional player, right? Like yeah. everyone sees your life as 10,000 people cheering you on or 20,000 people cheering you on. And it's just, it became too much. And then I jumped right into coaching. I didn't even take any time to, again, address some things. And I battled substance abuse issues my really? whole life. And, oh yeah, heavy, heavy wow. times. And, uh, and ended up uh, developing a dependency for painkillers. Wow. Um, and was on, uh, was on those heavies for about uh, 10, 11 years. Wow. And then, um, like I said, took a, took a job at a prep school uh, in, in Sherbrooke at Bishop's College School and was a hockey director and coach for three years there. Was uh, fairly successful, I would like to think, yeah. um, in the short time I was there. Um, I thought I did my job well. We were, we were a winning team. Um, we won the national championship and beat St. Andrews and UCC and all those guys. Thank you. That's a big deal. Yeah, it was, it was at the time, but because of where I was at in my life, I didn't really kind of enjoy it there was just this constant fog over my my whole what do you what do you mean just because you're not playing no just because well I you know I, I wasn't playing and I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted to do in life it okay. was just like hey this is a job it'll fill my days I won't have to deal with that other stuff yeah and then eventually it just becomes too much and um, after my contract was up at the school, we parted ways. Um, I moved home and then started really addressing my, my mental health issues and my personal problems and, yeah. and trying to be happy with myself um, again. So uh, told, sat my parents down. Um, we started talking um, and checked myself into a rehab facility. Well, what yeah. an era for this to, to come about, though. You know, you talk about the era where mental health wasn't a conversation and you had to hold it in. And right now, it's it's a topic of conversation everywhere you go. For sure. You know, so you have to think about that from a perspective, thinking, wow, okay, it's lucky. It's 2019. It's a conversation. You're coming into it at the right time, I'd like to think. Yeah. I mean, by no means is it ever easy uh, yeah, to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny because I run into a lot of people that maybe don't know the extent of the dark places that I went to. Yeah. Um, you know, where they just remember seeing me at a bar and having a good time and things like that. And I always had a smile on my face because I was, in, you know, I didn't, whenever, 
whenever you're in a situation like that, or you're, excuse me, trying to solve life's problems or look for answers in a place that's just going to cause more problems or just delay the actual reality of things such as, you know, drugs and alcohol and things like that, anything that alters your mind, right? Yeah. Anything that alters your perception of reality yeah. that gives you that false sense of security or energy or happiness or whatever it is that you're either dependent on or you're addicted to or attracted to or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Everybody's story is different, right? And yeah. I don't want to sit here and say, oh, because I went through this, everybody's the same because it's not. I know you've had a guest on your show prior to me and, and yeah. you know, we had met uh, behind closed doors in a, in a fellowship and a program. So, Oh, um, you guys have met in the program before. Yeah. I didn't we, know we that. Actually, okay. Yeah. So we, um, I, I was away for uh, two weeks in, in Toronto Yeah, and I came back and I went to, I went to a meeting uh, Saturday morning and no way yeah, he was sitting in there <laughs> he's smiling and I'm like, cause I mean, when I first started going to the meetings, like I didn't know a soul and it's not, you know, so you sound like you it's, had the exact same yeah, experience. You know, as him. it's not like it's not like it's a fun thing or an enjoyable thing to have to, you know, the, when you're you're new to the program or you're still trying, you're new to recovery and all yeah. that thing. And so I walk in, I sit down, and a couple guys that I usually see there, you know, say hi, hug it out, yeah. you know, see how everything's going, making sure everyone's still safe and happy, and and you know, doing the best they can or if they need a hand. And and I look over and he's just smiling. Here. He's like, I know the smile too. And he's the big like, one. man, I'm so glad to see you. And I was like, that's not really something you you know you throw out to somebody, but I get what he's saying. It's yeah. like, oh, there's familiarity. There's somebody with, you know, that I know who's yeah. a friend of mine or an acquaintance or buddies of a buddy, whoever, and is going through yeah. similar things. Or but that is end. a good feeling, right? Oh, you say sure. it's not, but yeah, like but that's a, yeah. it's a great because feeling to know You laugh, there. but yeah. I mean... Cause I mean, if, if I saw him the first day that I was at a meeting, I yeah. would have been, I would have been in the same thing. I would have been like, Oh, thank God. I have somebody I know to support or go through this with. Yeah. But when you're walking in blind and you don't know anybody and you don't understand or you're trying to learn a new way of life, yeah. it's scary as hell. Like it is the scariest thing in the world. And then you got to try to listen to other people's stories and take you know, bits and pieces of what they do for their recovery and how they live their life and try to implement it into yours. Or but is that a comforting feeling though? Knowing that other people are going through something similar? Yes that's, and no. that's what... For sure. I mean, it's comforting as somebody who struggled big time at, at the start. Like, I mean, you can talk to anybody that knew right away that I went. Yeah. And I just hit it. Like, I didn't even want to tell anybody that I even actually changed my life around. Yeah. I, you know, finally gotten off you know, the painkillers and, and just made, you know, I'm never going to really party ever again on that. And, you know, alcohol wasn't a problem for me. Yeah. It led to other issues or it would cause me to, you know, I'd rather do this than go there. Or I would rather lay on the couch and not have to deal with whatever instead of talking to somebody or calling somebody. That's or, what you're saying. You know, so you just end up alienating yourself. So you, have that false persona about yourself that you've created through drugs or alcohol and then you go look in the mirror and you see that shell of what you used to be but now you're trying to fill it with okay. a new way of life so again the scary part for me was just not knowing anybody and the the embarrassment factor of not that I went but how I got there right because I had I 
I had hit it for so long and lied about how happy I was and everything was great and oh, I was still playing and you know, but it was again, it was just I mean, it was just day after day. There was no means to an end. It was just like every day. you know, every day was groundhog day for me. Right. And it's like you know, and then you eventually lose goal setting skills and things like that because you're not challenging your brain or you're not challenging yourself intellectually or you're just trying to make it day by day. Yeah, you're just trying to survive you know, from the time your eyes open to the time you get to go to sleep, wow. right? And that's if you can sleep, if you can, if you're able to shut your brain off and things like that, because again, a lot of, actually, I'm not even going to go down that road. I'll just say for me in general, because for me, you know, you're always thinking about something, you know, I'm, I, a couple of really good buddies of mine were, were enforcers and tough guys when I played in the minors and we used to sit and talk all the time. What'd you talk about? And just the constant stress on these guys' minds. Like, my buddy was just like, you know, when you go for your pregame nap, I'm like, yeah. He's like, how good? I was like, I can't wait. Like, I go home, eat my meal, and just shut it. If I could get to bed from 1 to 4, I would. And he's like, good for you. He's like, I sit there and lay at the ceiling fan knowing that I'm going to have to be at a heavyweight fight in four hours or things like that. And then you don't really realize that because – it's not your soul. It wasn't my sole job. Yeah, I fought a lot and got beat up a lot, but it was always for sticking up for somebody or myself or I crossed the line and you yeah. just had, you just answer the bell, right? Yeah. So, but I never thought like going in, oh, tonight I have to do this. Yeah. Right. So over the years, you learn to start talking about things like your future and finances and relationships and, you know, everything the from, future yeah your future and yeah. your life and what you're doing because we're all the same but we're all different right we're elaborate all, on elaborate on that a bit so more. we're all the same creatures because we're all you know hockey players or athletes playing in the mind you know we're all trying to do the same thing some guys are trying to support their families some guys are trying to get to the next level some guys are just doing it because they don't have anything else yeah Right. But then everybody's that's the difference. Right. Like what you're doing it for is the difference. But we're all in the same locker room, on the same planes, on the same buses, going through the same things. But the reason you're going for it is different. Right. Mm. So you lo- you start to talk about those things. And again, when we were growing up, for me, it was like I didn't have cell phones till I was in pro. Really? Right. So, again, you're on the bus and talking to your teammates and watching movies, you have to. Yeah. Right? So you learn about each other. You learn about... I never thought of that. I never thought about right? that. So when now, I was a junior, I always had a phone. Exactly. Right? So people... And, I, and I'm not blaming technology. I think technology is... It's here to stay. It saved the world. Yeah. Right? Like it's... Everybody's lives are so much better for it. But you talk about guys now that, that go away or leave home and it's like, oh, I'm homesick or I might, you know, I'm isolated. But it's like, okay, are you actually going out every day and meeting people and talking to people and checking out the town that you're in? Or are you just getting up, going to practice, you know, coming home, going to school, go to the gym, because this is what your schedule says. And then when you have two hours, it's like, oh, I'm going to FaceTime somebody back home or I'll Skype or I'll text, you know, get on the group chat or whatever. And okay, yeah, you haven't left your build's basement in eight hours. But that's your choice because of what you're doing, right? So we didn't have that. You know, it was, hey, let's 
call somebody's landline, call the billets or whoever. And, yeah. you know, we were planning things like, okay, let's go to a movie. So you'd had to get five guys, load them up in a car. So I never thought about that from that perspective of a junior hockey player being at a billet in the early 2000s. Yeah. I never thought of that. Right. So we were always forced to go out to do things. And to meet fans even just because you're, you know, yeah. you're relevant in the city. You go out, you talk to people. Oh, especially in Halifax, right? Like, I mean, this fan base from day one has worshipped this team. And if you are lucky enough to, to play here, yeah. you experience that firsthand. Even back when you played? Oh, compared was, to what it is now? Like, it was like that? I don't remember. I was so young. Massive, but. man. I mean, we were still getting... I mean, we were selling out every night back in the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was great. We had... You know, we were doing the same things. Going to schools, doing, you know, reading to kids, going to hospital visits. Quick question for you. Did you ever go to Rockingham Elementary? Man, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because I remember... Okay. Probably. I mean, because... you know, I mean, when I was playing, there was myself, Robbie Southern, Jason King. We were the only three guys that lived on the Halifax side. Yeah. Right? No, so, uh, Jules Eddy lived oh, over here too. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah, we were only together for one year. Don't but, worry, okay. Um, but yeah, so Eddie, well, actually, we'll touch on Eddie in a bit. <laughs> he's got a he's got a good chunk of my life too where he's been very instrumental and, and yeah. helpful. Yeah, so. That's awesome. Um, just from a leadership standpoint, things okay. like that. But yeah, so when we were, you know, he was the one year over here and then he was done. Um, and then the three of us and then Kinger had left. And Surrey Kleisman, sorry, he was in the south end. So um, I was fortunate enough to have a car and, you know, I did pick up Kinger and, and You lived over here? I lived at, at home in Bedford with my parents. So, okay. Um, <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you go to school while you were playing here? CPA. Okay. I got, uh, I was, you know, very lucky. I got drafted at home and, and got to stay at home. Very lucky. Didn't have to leave and didn't have to change high schools. Nothing, nothing really changed for me. Like outside of that, it was just yeah. the hockey structure and then the demand on your time and the sacrifices you make and all that. And yeah. But you're playing for well the worth it. Absolutely like, well worth it. it. Yeah. yeah. So you would, anybody in a heartbeat would make that trade, right? Yeah. Especially when you're chasing something or trying to achieve a goal that, you know, you watch on TV or you talk about, and then people start to put that little little bug in your ear, and it's like, oh, this actually might be a reality, or I actually might have a chance to use the game to... Take me around the world. Open doors, get an education, see the, you know what I mean? Travel, yeah. see the world. I mean, the game can do so much for you, you know? And that was one of the main reasons why I got into coaching. Um you know, I've had, I've been very blessed with the coaches that I've had. I mean, I played for Sean McKenzie and Cam Russell in, in Halifax. Uh, Chris Donnelly was on the staff as well. Yeah. Um, and then when I got traded to Ruin Miranda, I had Andre Tordney, who's, you know, he coached yeah. in Halifax, coached yeah. in NHL. He's now with the Ottawa 67. So I wanted to talk to you about that trade. How did that trade go down? Because, <laughs> well, like, you know, playing at who, home and then you who, get traded who to. Who told you what? <laughs> I didn't hear anything. I just heard I had to ask you. Because, you know, playing here in Halifax and then you're shipped up to northern Quebec, that, that, that's yeah. got to hurt a bit. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shock. So um, I think it was the deadline was January 10th, um, and we, we practiced at 10 o'clock that morning, yeah. and the deadline was noon. And we got to the rink, and guys were getting ready to practice, and Sean, Sean wasn't in his office. And I would, and every, and most mornings I'd go in and just chat with them, say hi or whatever, and see, see what was going on or whatever. And, and, uh, he wasn't there. So I was like, oh, this is odd. And 
you know, guy, some of the trainers were acting a little funny, like trying to avoid me. And I was like, this is super, I was thinking, you know what, they're playing a joke or I'm going to get like every a pie in the face or, yeah. you know, yeah. like what did the boys do to my underwear? Like what's going on? Is my gear messed with, you know, like you're just expecting a joke Something's of some sort, right? You're not thinking like your world's about to be turned upside down, right? Especially yeah. that close. You're two hours to the deadline. It's like. And we've already made a massive trade with Cape Breton to get like Stewie McRae and those guys and George Davis all here. And then it was like, <laughs> I'm putting this and getting dressed and starting to walk out to practice. You got your gear on. Got my gear on now, walking out. And all of a sudden, Donnelly and, and Chris McQuaid, they stop me and they're like, Coachy. And I'm like, what's up? They're like, you got to go see Marcel upstairs. Sean's up there waiting for you. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Again, not, not worried or anything right like i'd been here three years like oh this is you know we're making a huge run they just made a huge trade and i go upstairs and i'm sitting outside marcel's office and just like again like time is standing still and i get like people in the office are all like you know hi mike and you know it's good to see you and all this stuff and then they call me into the office and he's like yeah we made a trade and i was like okay thinking that like I'm being told we're bringing more guys in and I got to go to the airport and pick them up or something. I don't know. Or, like, <laughs> You're meet still the boys. Denial, yeah, eh? still like just, just a deer in a headlight. Oh, just, just a little key, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. Like, <laughs> I'll pick them up. Yeah, no, sure thing. And then they're like, yeah, we, you know, and they're like, no, you've been traded. To, we traded you to Ruin Randa. And I was like, okay. And then it was just like, then the, you know, the end like there's like that old saying like you know the lights are on but nobody's home that was basically me it was just like you're trying to you're trying to process everything and then it's like everything that you've done up to that point in your life is just like huh that's weird like what you know and it's like because this is the first time this has ever happened to me you know let alone you know even being told like you didn't make a team or cut or you know trade yeah. any type of thing so it's it's your first taste of junior hockey yeah the business side like of the it. business yeah, side it's of the it. first yeah the first time and again so a local guy drafted you know developed by here and then you know you're sent off and again i was very fortunate because i didn't have to leave home at 14 or 15 right mm. so i was 19 and so <laughs> I didn't even get, because again, no cell phone. So I didn't even get a chance to call my mother. And my mom worked downtown Halifax, right? So it hit the radio. It had hit, you know, the internet, all that stuff. Dial up internet, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, And it hit the end. I had got a hold of my dad because I had called him. And I was like, hey, I got traded. Um, My flight was at, I think, like 4 o'clock. That day? That day. Oh, yeah. And, uh, cause it was like, I think Wednesday or Thursday. So they wanted me up there to play that weekend. Excuse me. So they, um, called my dad, you got trades. Okay. What's, what's up and what, what's, what do we got to do? And I was like, I'll be home in like an hour. Um, and then I went right to my mom's office cause she worked downtown. Oh, and, you just walked to her office yeah, from the Metro from Center? The, yeah. I went there and then because Benny and all the guys, they had just getting told. So they had shut practice down. Everybody got off the ice and really? we went for lunch uh, at the midtown, of did course. You, did you drive them home after? No, no, <laughs> unfortunately not. My, my schedule is a little compressed. So we, uh, like I said, I went down, talked to my mom real quick, told her it was up. She started crying. She, you know, took the rest of the day off work, drove home. I went back to the rink to get my stuff. Uh, and the boys were all, like I said, they were all waiting for me outside the locker room and we ran over to the midtown and 
Sean gave Benny the team credit card and they picked up the tab of the lunch for the whole boys and it was our last team meal together and I drove home packed up my life literally and a couple hockey bags and hopped on Air Canada flight from Halifax to Montreal Montreal to Val d'Or Val d'Or to Ruin junior hockey and I had a lot of time to think about what was going on <laughs> you're like man I got a school project due tomorrow oh, I can't hand that in how am I gonna do that yeah, like it was just <laughs> like a whirlwind and um I was again phenomenal organization great people uh um, to this day Andre Danny DuPont assistant coach um they came right to the airport along with Julio Scandella, who I'd played with in Halifax for a couple of years, and he had been traded the at the summer before that up there. Yeah, um, they picked me up, um, drove me over to my billet family's house. What was that experience like meeting your billets? Um, all, it was again because of the type of character that I am, and yeah. it's like I don't like to feel awkward or to make other people feel awkward. Did so you feel I'll, awkward? Not really. It was just, it was different, but it was like, okay, I'm now live like I had met enough billets over the years with guys and talked to them and understand that these are very special people to say, Hey, I'm going to open my home up to teenage hockey players that are trying and make them, you know, make them feel accepted and be a part of our family. So the fact that these people were doing this for me, you know, automatically just gives you an extra, you know, be the heart of your heart and, and, and thankfulness and be like, I'm going to do everything I can to be the best version of myself and to help out or, you know, and to make sure that, you know, I'm grateful and these people know it. And it's not awkward for them either because they had never had a player. Bob Mongrain had actually lived oh. in their base. They had a basement apartment and they he lived in their basement when he was the coach and GM up really? there. And they were one of the rare families that were both um, English and French speaking. Um, so that's good for you. Well, they obviously really good planned for me. that. Yeah, and they and they had planned that. So um, I was their first ever player. Um, they had only ever had a, you know a coach and GM, so yeah. it was new to them as well. And I just remember walking in after that long day, and and uh, Bob and Carol Neeman were their name, and and Bob was sitting in the in the living room watching TV by the fire, and. And Carol was in the kitchen and Carol, you could tell she was like, oh, like, you know what? It was a little, you know, and then I, the first thing out of my mouth was like, I am starved. I Can I say. get something to eat or whatever? And she was just like, ah, oh, perfect. I love you. Like <laughs> big, you know, smoked meat sandwich, plate of French fries. Quebec and, families love to feed. Oh, my dad's was, French. Yeah. So every time we go up, they're always feeding us. Oh, it's yeah. great. So it was phenomenal. And that was our first ever, you know, experience. And Julio came with, you know, when they drove the bill, Julio came in and chatted with them. And yeah. as soon as, as soon as Julio had saw me, you know you know, started eating and Carol and Bob where we were chatting away and I just went and sat in the living room and, That's you great. know, started telling, you know, my story basically to them about it. Cause you know, and how it happened. Cause they, again, they didn't understand what a trade was. They don't even know, like, you know, they've never yeah. had a player. So, you know, we, we chatted and Julio left and, you know, I was there for a year and a half and man, that's a yeah. crazy story. And yeah, and to yeah, I got to give Bob a, a quick shout out cuz once Ruin uh, won the President's Cup, they had bought a, a package of tickets for yeah. the Memorial Cup and they drove down, so it's been good to have them uh, him and his business partner and his father-in-law here. That's wicked. Um for the whole week, so we've we've caught a couple games with them and had uh, a couple beers and some meals with them and relive some of the glory days and some of the good times we had up there and some of the not so good times, yeah. but you know, that's part of growing up and being a family, so 
um, yeah, very grateful to, to them and the family and, and that organization as well as Halifax for everything they did for my development and obviously, you know, the, the education side and, and especially, you know, to my coaches and the leadership group that, that I was fortunate enough to be a part of and follow and learn from, yeah. um, and become a part of, and, you know, guys like Jules A. The Rock and Robbie Sutherland and Brandon Benedict were pretty instrumental in how I prepared for games and how I carried myself on the ice and the way I played. Um, and then obviously Sean and, and Andre really, you know, got the most. They squeezed every drop out of the lemon. And let's be honest, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not the most gifted hockey player. <clears throat> I don't do one thing way better than anything else. Yeah. It was just, you know, I was an offensive minded player growing up. And then when I got to junior hockey, it was like, you get that that reality where it's like okay you're now the top kid in you know your minor hockey association then you go to midget triple a and it's yeah. like now it's the top each of the top kids of mm. you know hrm playing against each other yeah. then you go from there and you go okay now it's the best kids out of each province and the country playing against each other so it's there's always somebody better than you there's always someone stronger than you there's always somebody who wants it more than you right yeah. so it's that's what drives you. And as an athlete, that's what you want. You want to feel somebody breathing down your neck to push the most out of you, right? And for you to really understand and learn how to motivate and and, and burn your own fire. Yeah. If you don't have that, then <clears throat> I hate to say it, you probably shouldn't be playing. Absolutely. <laughs> or you're swimming or bait, whatever it is, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what your sport is or what your profession, You should have you should have that motivation to be the best you can be. If you don't, you're either at the very top of the food chain or you're going to get left behind. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Could you give me an example of, uh, you said McKenzie, like squeezing the last drop out of the lemon. Like I've heard really good, uh, coaching tactics by this guy. I met him once. Could you maybe give me an example of, you know, where he gets the best of it out of his players? Cause I love, uh, Troy Ryan was my probably favorite coach I ever had. And yeah. he was really good at getting the best out of me. He knew never to give me an inch, even though I was playing well, you would just be like, you know, you're playing all right. You know, to piss me off to, to make me play well. I love coaches like that. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could give me an example of maybe where a, a coach, even McKenzie that, you know, makes you a better player. Yeah. So Sean, like I said, Sean's always been a big part of my life um he's a bedford guy i'm a yeah. bedford kid so he always made sure that we were you know i was given every opportunity um and you know i had to make sure that i took advantage of those opportunities but you know he didn't want to see any of us left behind right because what do you mean by that because we weren't you know, 100 point guys okay. coming out of this or, you know, we were, you know, I mean, if you look at our roster back in 2000, 2001, the year after the Memorial Cup, yeah, um, we ended up winning the division and we had like 14 rookies on our team. I didn't know and that. it was all and we were, you know, majority Atlantic Canadian kids, guys like AJ McLean, Derek Kent, Randy Upshaw, Bobby Clark, myself, you know, Benedict. So like it's a it was a really close knit team and we that year our motto was you know family and play for the guy beside you and that's where you really started you know I was 17 years old and it's like I'm being taught that these 20 guys in the locker room are my brothers my family everything and you live and die with those guys like if you're going to battle um you know you want certain guys with you and we'll go to 2002 um that massive brawl we had with Bay Camo. I remember seeing that's on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or you can go even the year before the brawl and warm up with Cape Breton. 
Oh, when so, after warm, yeah, yeah. Jules so, was showing me that. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, we there was instances where they would just, you know, it, you come in and they teach you, and the care factor and the team building that we did right off the get go from, you know, again with the no cell phone thing. So it was like mandatory team dinners, mandatory movie night, things like that. Like we used to go to the theater all the time, up in Bears Lake, up here? in Bears Lake, and you know we'd get, and if any of the rookies were with us, or if I was with a rookie that was there, or whatever, we'd we'd stand up during the previews or before the previews start, and put a little like do a little karaoke or sing along for <laughs> for the people that were in there, and I mean it was all in good fun, yeah. right? It was it was part of it. It was the welcome to the you know you got to pay your dues and all that stuff. Um, and, and Sean always encouraged that. It was always, you know, here's some extra money out of his own pocket to be like, here, go take take the boys to a movie, take the boys to dinner, um, team party, you know, like I'll pick up all the taxi really? receipts. Like he just did so much to care for us that made us care for for each other and then him. And it's that old saying, you know, like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, yeah. Right, or touch the hand before you touch, or touch the heart before you touch the hand. Yeah. Right, so if you want people to follow you and buy into what you're selling or to to pull on the rope in the same, whatever the analogy is you want to use to reach your goal, you can't do it alone. It's almost a good business model. It is, and it's the same model that I've used in recovery, and, um, you know, I took all those tactics and all that mentality to prep school when I was coaching there, and... I took all that stuff to Ruin when I was when I got traded up there, and I took all that stuff to university when I went there, and, yeah. and to pro, and you just keep adding to it, right? And he, Sean, was one of the reasons that I discovered I had leadership qualities, right? Because he treated me like a professional, treated me like an adult, and said, you know, if you want it, it's yours for the taking, but you've got to earn it and work for it and continue to do it. So it was. We were never held back. We were encouraged to do more, and we were encouraged to do it. And he was—he always had our back. So, and it was just, you know, and he just felt—I just felt like I had. It was, it was kind of like when you leave the house when you're a kid, and you know, you go play baseball or hockey, and you know, you don't want to disappoint your dad or your parents, you know. And yeah. they're like, "We don't care what the score is, <clears throat> win or lose, as long as you try your best." Yeah. Right. So, and that was like I had—I felt the same responsibility to Sean, my teammates, the Mooseheads, Andre, my teammates, the Huskies, whoever I played for, whoever I was asking to to stand beside me or follow me into, you know, playoffs or whatever the battle was or, you know, the night after rookie party when we all know we're going to just get work, like it's going to be a terrible practice, but we're all in it together or just things like that. It's like you need to be able to motivate yourself to motivate others. And if you can't, I that. and if you can't be your best or put your best foot forward, you can't expect anybody else to, right? You can't. Well, you. I mean, and again, this is just my opinion, but I don't think that people who are successful in life have sat back and waited for somebody else to do it for them, you know. And again, I'm not, you know, just based on some of the hockey that we watched this week, I don't think there was teams in this tournament that took advantage and coached to win right i think the teams that are in the final did yeah right you took it you take a look at dobson right they're log they're tracking his ice time but you know 
um, his coach, they're taking advantage of TV timeouts. They're taking advantage of, you know, icing stoppage of play. So he's getting the double and triple shift this guy, but getting, and you look at some of these other teams that have these star guys and it's like, you don't even see them. Suzuki, perfect it, example exactly, last night. Where right? was he last night? It, though, that whole power play, the whole line, those, you know, it was yeah. like these guys aren't even on the ice enough to make an impact. Yeah. I get it. It's the end of the year. You're tired, but come on. What are you saving it for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I agree. They're, they're, they're heading, they're home now. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if you're a coach, and you know, I, to me, it would be like, you've, you've got a coach to win. It doesn't matter. You can't worry about, injuries feelings energy for sunday whatever you got to get there first yeah right and it was just because again you you start walking around the rink and you hear people you know giving their opinion things like that but i 100 percent agree with what people were saying about that it's like you don't see the other star players from the other teams like you have seen from halifax and ruin because they've yeah. They've studied and they're saying, okay, we can take advantage of this and get this guy extra minutes or yeah. extra involved, yeah. which makes our team that much better. I love uh, the psychology of coaching ever since I've stopped playing. I love watching games and seeing uh, lines going out. Perfect example, Heinem last night from Iran. He was playing well, but I saw he went off and the coach was giving it to him a little bit. He sat for, I think, three shifts, pissed him off, came out, he scored. I love watching that. I think that's a perfect example of just knowing your players. So that's why I asked the question about McKenzie, about how he gets his players to work for him. Oh, yeah. I, I just love that stuff. It, and it gets me going. And he's, and he's, to this day, he is somebody who cares more than anything. He's, you know, the technical director in Bedford for Bedford Minor Hockey. Oh, is he? Um, and I do a lot of stuff. He's, he, again, he's taken care of me for forever. And yeah. when I got out of treatment and was trying to, you know, fill my shell of a, of a, of a body with with a soul and a purpose again and all that stuff and he uh, he's still coaching you yeah he's still coaching that's me. awesome he, like <laughs> I, I got out of treatment just before christmas in two, uh, 2017 and um january middle of january <clears throat> i i was uh, just walking by the rink and I, sean was like coachy and i was like <laughs> all right that's the guy i was looking for and we went for coffee and i told him the whole story i broke down we were down uh, bedford place mall and i was crying and oh yeah you know because i because he was such a big part of my life and still is i felt like i had almost let him down as well same as when i can feel like i told my story to my parents like mm-hmm. yes i made choices 100% right like and i got to live with that i was led to some of my choices um, with injuries and surgeries and things like that, it was like, you know, let me know when you're out type thing. I okay. was give, I was trusted with it. So yeah. yes, it got out of hand, but you know, my parents felt all, they felt like they had let me down cause they were like, we weren't there when your life spiraled out of control. And I was like, but that's not your responsibility. Yeah. Right. But as somebody who's in recovery and doing therapy, I take, you take on other people's problems or you take on the pain that you caused your family or the people that cared about you or loved you while you mm-hmm. were under the influence or not your true soul, right. Yeah. Or your true person. So it was like, when I was telling the story to him, like I felt like I was letting him down too, which was the furthest thing from the truth. And he say. would be the first one to yeah. smack me up and be like, smarten up. Yeah. Like you, you know, you didn't do anything to me. You didn't let yeah. me down. You didn't know. So then he was like, well, let's get you back involved in the game of hockey. So off the I started doing core skills in Bedford minor hockey. So I'd be on the ice running a station, whether it be shooting or passing, skating, whatever. 
Um, and we'd see every kid or in every team that goes through Bedford minor hockey once a week. And mm. then, um, so that, that was a good, good introduction back into it. And now, you know, he's, we're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff. And he knows every kid and every parent's names that is registered in Bedford minor hockey what? and what they do. He give, he puts more time in than anybody I ever, I've ever met. He knows every kid's name, every parent's. And what team they played for. He must take a lot of fish oil or something. He's, I don't know, like, That's crazy. Is, oh, yeah, he's he's a science experiment for <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, there's times, there was a couple years, like two years ago, we were pulling some really long hours. And, yeah. You know, and I mean, I drink a lot of coffee, and I love coffee. Coffee's right? a great thing. Yeah, eh? oh, phenomenal. Love it. So he, and he, he was just like, it got to a point where he's like, I can't drink any more coffee. And he would just go on the ice and like chew the coffee beans. And we're like, and we're running a practice for like, you know, Adam kids or whatever. He's chewing on beans all wired up. It's like, oh boy, this is going to be a good hour. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. But he's, you know, he's in the rink more than anything, more than anybody. He knows everybody and he's been really instrumental in bringing in former players and guys in back into Bedford that are, you know, that have gone away to play junior university and now they're back and starting to, you know, build, build their life and, you know, get married or have kids and things like that. So he's trying to get them back involved and, and it's really good because I mean, he's he's Alex uh, Hazelhurst from Bedford, um, Phil Carpentier, um, Tyler Lytle, Jeff Lytle, um, Pete McIsaac, Greg McDonald. He had Patty Sampson a few years ago before Patty got married and had a kid. Um, Donald McLean's back uh, wow. doing a lot of stuff with Bedford Minor Hockey. So he's done, and again, he doesn't want to go on the ice anymore. The guy goes, I mean, he's been on the ice his entire life, right? Yeah. So by bringing us in, he doesn't have to worry about someone messing up he knows or that, yeah, yeah he knows that the kids or the practice is in good hands because we're capable of teaching and working with kids and and developing them the way he wants it because he developed us i'd love to get him on the podcast and pick his brain uh, sounds like a great guy phenomenal yeah right and he he was the you know um and then after you know we still talk we go for coffee even though it's not you know, we're, you know, he's going to, where he's going to go to the finals, uh, tomorrow or whatever. He? Yeah. He ended up getting to go, uh, I think Tangay got him, uh, tickets there Okay. for Wednesday's game. Um, is Tangay still in town? I have no idea, to be honest. I thought I you knew everything, everyone well, who's in town. you know, I, I, put that false, yeah, <laughs> I put that false sense of security out there for people. I know I, I talk like I know more than I do probably, but, um, Very no, nice. he's, uh, I'll mention it to him when I see him today. Uh, that you're 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 looking to get, yeah, a, get good, on uh, here. a good coach's brain on here and you know he was again you know he was one that really stressed like the mental side of things and read books and and figure out you know we did a lot of work with your mind's eye and when you're 16 17 18 years old you're like mind's eye what the hell is that i'm still asking what is that and what does it's, that mean it's you vi- and he, he was the first one to talk about visualizing like really like you know before the game when you're taping your sticks like you would see majority of our our <clears> team <throat> from you know 2000 to 2003 all guys spread out in the lower bowl of the Metro Center taping their sticks. Upshaw and I sat together, and everybody was just like, and we would go through face-offs, face-off play. If we win, you know, that way when you get out on the ice, you don't have to think about it. You've already kind of seen the play develop, so you just react and your instincts take over, right? So if you're shorthanded and you're lined up for a face-off, 
you know, our centerman wins it back. What's my job? Am I the guy tying up or am I the guy that's got to get it 200 feet? Yeah. Right. So you, and then it's like, okay, if it's one to the other corner and I can't get there on my forehand, am I going up the wall or am I going back to my partner? Am yeah. I looking up the middle? So he's telling you to visualize. So you're this. visualizing back in 2000, things. 2001 back then. Yeah. Way back in the that? day. Yeah. Wow. So again, and you know, he was always reading books and we were always laughing at the guy. Like, why are we reading? I want to watch movies. Right. Like we're going, we're busting to Bay Camo or something. It's like, let's get the movies going here yeah. or whatever. And he's like, you know, we got to read and, and encouraged us to, you know, to break the mental sweat and to visualize things before. So, wow. and that's one thing that I carried out to the rest of my life up, you know, I still do it to this day. Yeah. I mean, there's nights where you oh, know, yeah. I struggle with things or I don't sleep or my brain's working overtime and it's like, what do I have to do tomorrow? Or you visualize it like the you night start, before. Yeah, so, yeah, so you plan your day like, the next okay, day. I plan my day. It's there. Then when I wake up, it, I don't have that like anxiety or panic of, oh man, yeah. What do I, am I late? What do I got to do? It's, do you have a calendar by any chance? Do you have like a, yeah, I got a calendar on my phone and yeah. I got a I, written one, like a whiteboard in my room. And I find on my phone, it's a little too tough, but I got the, the calendar. <laughs> I don't know how you see anything with that screen. Here. Oh, it's messed up. <laughs> I know I run a media company off that. You're not supposed to tell anyone that. Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll edit it out. I think I can find you. I'll, I'll put a call. Actually, who's ever listened to this that owns a cell phone repair shop? Yeah, let me know. <laughs> Somebody send uh, Justin Melange and or the high button uh, a private message with your number. And I, need a new, a, I need a new suit too, actually. A new suit? I need a new oh, suit geez. and we're good to go. Anybody at Moore's out there, <laughs> we'll just start getting ads going here. But I know what you mean about the visualization thing. I need to see things in order to stay calm. Because if I know I have three podcasts scheduled and I just forget what time, even though I know they're three in a row and I don't know what day or what time, I'll panic. I'll get oh, that yeah. gut feeling. It's like, fuck, what do I do here? Yeah. But I know what you mean about the whole visualization thing. It's yeah. a nice thing knowing uh, what to do. And it's, yeah. And it, it, again, in, in today's world, it's... You know, it's second it's every, nature yeah, to people. Yeah. Everybody who's ever an Olympic athlete, you know, you're a swimmer, a biker, shot put or anything, you're visualizing setting world records every day you get out of bed, you know, especially diving. You know, diving. I watch I watch a lot of documentaries. Like and, pool diving? Yeah. So I watched that special on Greg Luganis, the American diver. No. Uh, he's he was diagnosed HIV positive. Uh, he came out and he was basically blackballed from the USA diving. Anyway, HBO did a big special on him, and and he t and they talk about it because you you know the stuff that those guys do or those athletes, male female, doesn't matter. You know, you're talking three meter springboard or the tower, and they're pulling off like four backflips and tuck and roll like all this other stuff, and not land on your face. You know yeah, what I, I mean? Never thought or of that. belly flop or yeah. on your back or like, yeah. and if you're and if you're diving at whatever the the tower is, like that's like hitting concrete. Yeah. You know, so I mean, these, so the visualization of making sure you do all those in gymnasts. And I played with a guy whose brother's in Cirque du Soleil. And he said the amount of preparation and stuff before the show that goes in or when they're training in the practice, it's like, um, you know, they have pictures and they sit there and they like, they look at the picture of them doing the. Really? the the performance or the practice and then it's like and then they take it away then they visualize doing it or then they'll go into the the gym with the ropes and the trampolines and do their routine and then they'll get rid of the ropes and just do it on a trampoline right so it's like a progression thing i never knew that yeah it's crazy and then that's how i actually learned that i was a very visual learner like in school and things like that yeah like i loved being in the classroom 
Really? Because you could, I could see what the teacher was doing. I could hear what other people had problems with, mm. right? And that helped me solve my problem. Or if I, maybe my problem was the same as your problem, but if you ask the question, I have the answer. I don't have to I see raise my saying, hand yeah. or whatever, right? So you learn from other people, right? Now, you know, and, and right now I'm actually studying for my LLQP for the uh, financial services, oh, are you? my insurance exams. Okay. Um, so that right there that's online uh at your own pace and a lot of coffee <laughs> let's be honest at this point in my life like i mean i haven't been to school since 2003 wow no maybe five, i don't know it doesn't matter it's been a long time since i've physically had to study write exams like yeah break my day down again schedule my day with learning yeah. And it was the hardest thing to readjust to. I was just like, I would, and man, you, I would sit there and be like, my brain would go anywhere, but where like it I needed to be. to be like, and it, and I was okay with that. I was like, all right, brain, fuck, let's like fly away here. Like, I don't want to look at this stuff. Right. But then that's it. And it's like, how do I now figure out or translate my visual learning skills or how I learn into this or vice versa, right? Yeah. If you're a, if you're a learn at your own pace or an e-learner person, and there are a lot of people that are like that. Tons. Right. And there's, you know, and I've talked to people and they're like, oh, it was so much easier for me because I had my wife and kids and, you know, I only had two hours in the morning to study. So that was that. So, I mean, their day was a little bit more structured, but yeah. whereas, you know, I'm <clears throat> still relatively new to recovery and, and trying to piece my life together as to where I want it and where I want hockey to fit in and, you know, if I want to get married and have kids and all that stuff and really yeah. start, you know, yeah. and that was the big reason to, to get clean and to get my life back, back in order. Right. It yeah. was just, you know, I, you know, your previous guest talked about being present and all that. And that was, and that was the biggest thing. Like I would, like I now, if I can sit here and actually be here and talk to you and, and think about being answers the and, and actually give you like an articulated answer that's been thought about instead of just this blank stare and a shit-eating grin on my face, giggling about, you know, all the parties I've been to or all the guys that I've hung out with or, you know, all the girls I've met and all the the free stuff I've gotten or, you know what I mean? It's like, no. You, 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 you. you, Yeah, yeah, nobody wants to hear about that garbage. I don't even want to talk about it because guess what? I'm not anybody important. I'm not somebody famous, right? It's... You know, it's life. We're all that's equals. life. We're all yeah. equals, right? Yeah. Everybody does it. It's just on what scale. Yeah. Are you a boisterous, bold, outgoing, charismatic, loud person, which I was back in the day, especially when we were drinking and going out, sitting on a patio and things like that. Yeah. Because again, that was my way of kind of acting out and getting my getting the <clears throat> demons and that shit getting I didn't want to deal with, just getting it out, right? Yeah. So, you know, you you still gotta process things and and recalculate and recan i always have to check in with myself yeah right like this week has been great i've seen a lot of people does that bring up a lot of old memories a lot of old memories but good memories and smiling and laughing and we were talking actually um 
when I cut the owners from from Ruan, they were down, um, and I ran into. I've run into them a bunch. Still the same and owners from yeah, one, yeah, yeah, and a couple new ones, but uh, Jacques Blay and Randy Charchuk, and um, and then Andre bought in and things yeah. like that. So there's a couple of different faces, but uh, and I know Mark Andre Bergeron, assistant coach, used to play for Flyers. He bought in okay. as well. Um, so like I said, there's a couple of new guys, but <clears throat> the main guys are still there and. You know, they're, they're like, Mike, you haven't been back since you played. And I was like, you know, well. and I felt bad, but let's be honest. If I live in Halifax and I'm, you know, the, you know, my first year pro was in Italy and then the next eight years was in the U S that's not ruined. Rand is not really on any You're road. Not much. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like, Hey, I'm head, I'm head, I'm heading to Houston or Arizona. I'll make a stop I got a detour, <laughs> detour up into the Arctic for a second here before I go to the, the south, you know, like it's just, so, I mean, That's I feel fair. bad, but yeah. and they're like, anytime you want to come, you are more than welcome. We'll take care of you. We'll, you know, drop the puck at the beginning of the game. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe know. who knows? But so like, and it's just that warmth and that welcome that reminded me of how good things used to be. And there are phenomenal people in this game and not everybody's out to, for themselves or to screw people or whatever like people genuinely care still and it restores your faith in humanity because again you turn on the news you look at your phone you look at whatever and it's like oh my sweet jesus what are like what is wrong with people or and it sounds so unfair because again i am not perfect and i have my own personal battles but it's like you know, if I can, if I'm sitting there, if I'm sitting there shaking my head going, what the, f-? you know, it's like, come <laughs> yeah, on. You got to look at the big picture. Yeah. Like yeah. this, this thing is like, this thing's going to explode one of these days. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, it's scary, but at the same time, that's the world we live in. And as much as acceptance and difference and equality and everything that we're sharing now, and everybody has a more open mind to. Yeah. It's opening up people to be vulnerable and to get hurt twice as bad or for them to be taken advantage of. You know, if you, I mean, I don't even know if this is a good topic to get into, but get, bring it up. I mean, you know, people that struggle or are lost, yeah. right? Or they don't have any direction or they don't know who they are or what they want to do and they get, you know, tied into some of these extremist groups or things like that, right? Like, hey, this person is opening up and saying, hey, I don't know who I am or I struggle. And then there are groups or there are certain individuals that just feast on that and be like, let's, be t- let's take advantage of this and brainwash them or bring them in and, and corrupt them even more, right? Yeah. And then that adds to other problems in the world that are probably more monumental or insurmountable versus my personal recovery or... You know, somebody yeah. dealing with a death in the family or things like that. And I'm not downplaying any tragedy or any type of trauma in anyone's life. But if World War Three breaks out, I'm more concerned about that than I am about me myself staying clean and sober, right? It'd yeah. be like more about living and surviving or do I have to go to war? Yeah. Is there going to be a nuke dropped and where am I going to be safe, yeah. right? <laughs> you yeah. put things in perspective is basically what I'm trying to say by not... Whenever you are feeling like, yeah, I agree. When you put things into perspective, if you're having a bad day and you look at someone, even someone that just has a disability, you're just like, okay, you know, at Absolutely. the end of the day, you know, I'm here, I'm healthy, I can see, I'm breathing, you're above ground. That's one of the things that helps me. And not that I had a drug or alcohol no. problem or anything, but just like in business and life, it's just For perspective. Sure. And, it's the be- and it's the best way to look at things, I feel now. Absolutely. Especially 
Like I keep, I joke about it now, especially with like some of my real close buddies, you know, like post therapy, Mike, yeah. like that's who I am now. Right. Because everyone like even, you know, yeah, I, you run into people that you don't see for a while. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, even my parents who I see every single day Yeah, and it's just like, and you know, you see that smile in your mom's face or that, you know, that little, the look that your dad gives you when he's actually proud of you, but doesn't say it or, yeah. you know, he knows he loves you, but he won't say it or, yeah. or vice versa. Right. You just had, yeah. you just know. Yeah. And it's like, you can just see the joy that I'm coming back. Yeah. Right. Or like that blank stare and that constant groggy, my body hates me. I'm sore. I hate myself. Excuse after excuse, yeah. you know, instead of asking for help or, you know, going in a different direction, it was like, I'll just wait for, yeah. the pills to kick in and then yeah. I'll get up and do my day or yeah. tackle whatever it is I got to do. Right. So, but now it's, so when I see people and we talk and we laugh and yeah. that was one of the main reasons why, you know, when we chatted there at the game, I was like, it's, it's time. Like, this is the time now. Like people have now seen me. I'm back here full time. This is going to be home. I'm going to live here. Um, and it's, it's my life, right? I've accepted it. I love and it. my story needs, I need to be, I need to share it because for the last year and a year and a half, it's been, you know, I pick and choose who I tell because it is my story. Yeah. But that's even, that gets to be a fucking headache trying to figure, did I tell this person? Does this person know? Do I lie to this person? Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not lying about anything anymore. I've accepted, I've done, you know, I've done the work. I'm going to have to continue to do work every single day because by no means is my body back to normal and I'm still going to have to have a couple more surgeries. So, but at least now I'm aware of it. Mm. We can work with doctors, we can work with surgeons and everybody, my parents and my pharmacists and all that stuff. And we're all on the same page so that with the help of the doctors and the medications done properly, I don't have to worry. Yeah. Right. Because again, whereas my addiction was dependency led. What does that mean again? Dependency led. Basically, my body had become dependent on okay, the pills sorry, yeah, yeah. versus trying to solve, look for the answers of life in mm-hmm. the bottom of the bottle or mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to cover up, you know, previous trauma or something like that yeah. where <clears throat> or, you know, abuse or something like that where I didn't have that in my childhood. Yeah. Um, you know, so that wasn't the root cause of my my addiction. Right. It yeah. was, you know, shattered left leg seven surgeries on my wrist two surgeries on my neck you know broken orbital bone four times i broken my nose broken jaw broken um <laughs> let's see we'll go through the list Holy uh smokes. broken sternal clavicle joints on my sternum and collarbone where it joins that joint i've had oh surgery on that um knee left knee surgery got no 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 <laughs> ligaments or tendons in my left knee um, I have six surgeries on the wrist, as you can see, oh, yeah, look at that. ligament and tendon surgery on the wrist before that. Um, you know, I still got a couple pins and screws in my wrist. I still got three plates and 14 screws holding my leg and Jesus. ankle together. Right. So, you know, I'm not done by any means is my body, right? Like yeah. my, this, my surgeon here in Halifax, he's been unreal. He knows about my past and he works. So with my family doctor, again, he knows he was brought in. So they work together yeah. and only one doctor, you know, prescribes me my medication for the, the stuff that I have to take for nerve damage yeah. and, you know, an antidepressant and things like that. Right. To, yeah. to just be able to live normally. Yeah. Um, so 
with all their help and things like that, it's yeah. going to be easy. And you know, they're I'm going to do a, they're going to do a wrist replacement, Whew. right? Like, welcome to you know 2019. Now never knew that was a thing. Yeah, neither did I until about six months ago. And he's like, yeah, you'll be the first Jesus. guy in Atlanta, Canada, to get it once once we get the approval and stuff. I guess they just started in the U.S. and in Ontario and things like that. So he's like, once they get it here, I'll be the first one. So again, I've, I have to accept that there will be times in my life where my recovery will be at a standstill, I guess. Yeah. But it's a, for a medical reason. I mean, even when I was in rehab, I got pulled out of rehab six weeks in to have a surgery. Oh. So that was a bit of a frustrating moment because I had, you know, I'd done the detox and yeah. withdrawal. I'd done all that. I was in therapy and I was doing everything. And I was like six weeks. It was like most people are going home. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I gotta go to my surgery. doctor's calling my surgeon to go, okay, we're going to give him a four day pass. He flies home. Parents stays at his parents, whatever. Monday night, Tuesday checks into the hospital, Wednesday surgery, Thursday recovery, Friday. He's back on a flight here. Like they had it down to a science. They had car service. Because they're afraid you might relapse or something. Or just not come back. Because I was bail. there under my own accord, right? Like I chose to go. I wanted to go. I wasn't forced, you know, yeah. I wasn't forced by a court or, you know, legal issues to say, hey, if you don't do this, you're, you're you know, good. going to the clink or, yeah. well, you know, into the ground, whatever, right? Yeah. Like, so it was like they couldn't force me to stay. If I wanted to leave, I could. You could. Right. So, so they had the car services set up, pick me up from the door, drive me right to the airport. There was a guy there to carry my bags, boom, get me through the security. Like it was, it was very professional and very well done. Yeah. I mean, we pay, I, you know, we paid through, you know, for the services, yeah. obviously. And I went a hundred percent private. Cause again, I didn't want anybody to know. And again, just the stigma and the embarrassment, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we did, we did all, all that and, had the surgery and Jesus had to, had to do the, the detox because <laughs> I got shot right back up. Right. Like the, again, you're removing plates and screws from bone. It's, it's going to hurt. Right. Like they tried everything. They tried to do an epidural in my neck. And so I woke up from surgery and the thing had leaked. It came out of my neck. So basically I couldn't feel like my legs, my other arm, my chest, but what could I feel? The one thing that I, they didn't want me to feel, so I could oh. only, I could only feel my right arm because it had it had fallen out of my neck, and then all the whatever it is that they, that's all attached up here, yeah. Right? It's and then all... it just was like so, it, like it just started leaking everywhere, oh. and my whole body went numb except for my arm. So like, of course they got you know they were yeah. like we don't want you to suffer, so you know you gotta you know do this and do Jeez. that and get back on the stuff, and you know it was. My dad was there in the hospital with me to make sure I just didn't sit there and push the button all day yeah, long, yeah. right? And and I'm at a point, and I was at a point then where it was like I was scared to death to take medication. I was scared to death to do anything because I didn't want to die. Yeah, right. And I was like, I just woke up from surgery, and it's like <sighs> I would rather not be given anything and be in agonizing pain than you could take the take pain. a chance and die yeah. or not, you know. So. You know, uh, this is supposed to be a fun, happy podcast chat, and we're going into I dark gotta, life I got to pee issues. really quick. Of course you do. All right, I'm back. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It's crazy. And then, obviously, you know, the anonymous part is huge in in recovery and in treatment and all that stuff, too. And yeah. me being in a private facility, right? Like, it was movie producers, actors, really? politics. Where, where was the... Uh... 
Uh, I went say? to, yeah, like I was in Guelph. Um, Guelph? Okay. So it was called The Residence, yeah. which is like a private division of Homewood. Yeah. And, um, you know, R- Ronnie Ellis, the Hawk Hockey Hall of Famer, like he, he was there. He was there? Um, not with me, but he went to Homewood yeah. um, for, for alcoholism. And yeah. he goes back, you know, once a year. He donates money. He speaks. And he's very vocal about how Homewood saved his life. And wow. Homewood, they have offices all across the country. Yeah. Like there's an office in Dartmouth here. But the, the Homewood Health Center itself is, is one of the best, like, mental health and addiction um, services that this country has to offer wow. and um but they have a private section which is called the residence okay and it's it's basically they have their own like we have separate rules and and all this thing and it's it was pretty you know like when i was in there i had a 24-hour nursing team um i had a private chef private trainer all no these things. way you but, can work out while you're in there yeah well i mean it's been exercise is a huge part of of breaking through and and you know mental health physical health all that stuff right yeah. because it gets those endorphins going basically you know you're substituting right like if you were you know if you're for me it was you know pain medication so that pain medication was that was triggering your... the brain right so now i go to the gym to get that same release i've got to exert myself to push my body and get sweating and do you do was... yoga sorry no, no. Sorry, that's why I got to We ask. Uh, it was it was part of our our summer training. I won't mention any names for this yeah. one, but I absolutely hated it. Like it was driven down our throats. That's a question I want to ask you. What was it like to train with JP and Marshawn, all those boys? Yeah, so I had we had an absolute blast, yeah. right? I mean, we had such a good group. Um, you know, even even though there's a bit of an age gap there between me and some of those younger guys. Yeah. But I mean, so like we were and we were always together, that that yeah. group, right? It so, looked like a great group to yeah, train with but, in the summer. Know, I love JP as a yeah, trainer too. J- yeah, James he switches is, it up. Yeah, he's awesome. And it's just and he knows my body just as well as I do, right? He's the only other guy <laughs> that would know next to my surgeon and doctor. Like, mm. you know, because for me now, like when I stopped playing, I stopped everything. I stopped exercising. I stopped caring about diet. I was like, I'm done. I was yeah. like, perfect. Yeah. I hit the finish line, put the hands in the air. I was like, I made it. bring on McDonald's at least once a week. Like I want pizza. Like I'm never eating pasta again. Like, you know, it was just like the, it was like, you know, hallelujah. Like the switch went off and it was like, I am shutting it down. Yeah. Right. No more 7 a.m. workouts. No more hungover bag skates. No more, you know, flights on no yeah. sleep. No nothing, right? Yeah. It's just like, so I was like, oh, great, vacation. Yeah. And then slowly it's just, it's not good, right? Especially when you're somebody who your whole life has been physical activity and exertion. And it's like, oh, you're mad? Go launch yourself into another human being and it's okay. Yeah. Oh, you don't like what he did? Go drop your gloves and punch him in the face and release all your energy and anger on him. Yeah, you can't do that at a nine-to-five job. Yeah. You, well, <laughs> yeah. You'd be calling me to bail you out just like some of the guys did in junior. <laughs> we can touch on that if you want. Go for it. Without names, of course. Um, but no, it was... Um, yeah, I mean, we... You know, it's just... It, it was tough, right? You, you stop and then it's like... You don't get that release. You don't get those endorphins. And all yeah. of a sudden, then it's like, you're not happy. You're, you start to go into yeah. a depressed state. And it's like, and you start looking in the, and I'm extremely vain. I'll be the first one to admit it. Like I work out now. I just started again, yeah. like a, like probably six, eight months ago. Yeah. 
do you think I'm in there knocking out squats and doing sprints on the friggin' treadmill no. and biking for an hour and like, you know, grunting and going hang cleans and press, you know, like deadlifts. You think I'm in? The, no. no. Beach body all the way. And I'm not even close to being there, but it's like. You feel better mentally? Way better. Yeah. And it's like I'm going to the gym, right? And it's, and again, it goes back to like the wording part. And, and I read a book where it's like, you know, you say, Today, it's like, oh, I have to do this. No, I get to do this. I want to do this, right? So it changes your mentality out of that, that it's forced on you. Mm -hmm. And of course, things that, you know, training and, and working out, like nobody really likes to do that stuff. You accept it and it's part of your job or part of your profession or part of, <clears throat> you know, your your structure as an athlete or as you're setting your goals. Oh, I, I need to add this to... Yeah, you know, or to get an edge, I've got to, you know, see a, a psychologist or add a nutritionist or whatever. Everybody's yeah. every athlete's looking for an edge. Every yeah. businessman, whoever, it doesn't matter. You're looking for things to add to make you different and better than the next guy, so you get more business or you get you make the team, whatever, yeah. right? So they, um, you know, you you just the wording piece and, and visualization and things like that. It brings everything back full circle. Yeah. And even though those are things that I'm like, oh, I hate doing this. I hate doing this. I need those things in my life. And working out this way is a lot better and different than training, right? Because if I do push it too much, guess what? I go backwards by about two weeks physically and mentally I go backwards. I don't even know how many months, right? Because yeah. now I've crossed the line from having fun and working out for my health and, and my own, you know, well-being. to I'm training as a hockey player, as an athlete. Now my body hurts. Well, what's up? You start like, well, what's okay. It hurts. What can I take? Well, your brain automatically wants to take the drugs, you know, narcotic pain medication. Yeah. Well, can't do that. So what, what's next, right? So, you know, you get into the cannabis thing, right? I yeah. have a prescription for CBD oil and it has changed my life around, right? That's like great. people say, oh, it's, you know, there's all that stigma again about marijuana. Like I'll be the first one to admit, like I don't smoke weed, right? Like I think maybe five times in my life I've oh, yeah. smoked weed, but like you put it in a gummy or the oil, the oil and the tea is yeah, what I like. Like, absolutely. Like yeah. it just anxiety, everything just yeah. goes away. My pain, it's great. Right. Yeah. And there's not that psychoactive effect. Right. So it's just like, yeah, psh, that's what know. I hate about the wheeze of the psychoactive. It yeah, messes with THC my mind and things like that. Yeah. So, I just think like I become like lazy and then I become paranoid that I'm not being productive. That's my, that's my paranoia with it. But with the CBD, like you yeah. said, there's no, there's no psychoactive. psychoactive. You can do it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll, you know, there I'm, I'm very, grateful now that it's legalized in our country yeah. and now you know players unions and other sports that are looking at it as means of of treatment and alternatives to you know prescriptions and alcohol and all that stuff because again you go around a room i guarantee you that probably 75 percent of those guys can't sleep at night can't turn their brain off wow. right especially when you're in a sport where it's so physically demanding on your body where an afternoon nap becomes a staple in your life, right? So you're shutting it down for two, three hours in the afternoon. Go exert yourself. Do you think you're really going to fall asleep at 10, 11 o'clock at night? No. 100% not, The right? adrenaline's still going. Adrenaline's still going. So what do you do? Well, you can medicate yourself yeah. or you can 
Fuck do off. what? Yeah. Yeah. Like have play a couple video beer. Game, you know, you start drinking. Next thing yeah. you know, it's like, well, you're at that point. Do we go out or do we go to bed? Yeah. No one's being like, hey, let's go to bed when we're 22, you know? Like, especially these days, the girls are hitting your phone oh, up too. You're like, what are you crazy. doing? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like everything's pulling you everywhere. So, yeah. it, you know, the self discipline piece. So, you know, again, as much as I talk about recovery and things like that, everyone is different. And, yeah. you know, as long as it's within my doctor's um, rules and nothing is abused, then yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm living a clean life, even though I do, you know, I have to take medication, non-narcotic medication. So, you know, uh, and you know, like I said, this past week, I mean, you know, I've had, I was never one for really casual beers either. Mm. Um, if we were, you know, if we were drinking, it was for a purpose. It was, we were going out or you're not having one or two. You're no, having 12, it's, yeah, 30, we're yeah. flooring it and yeah. we're getting after it and we're, you know, it's Tuesday night, but people are going to think it's new year's and <laughs> you know, that's just the way it was, right? Like we go as hard as we possibly can because yeah. you only get one day off a month or whatever. Right. And then when you get to be a pro and you get to make your own choices, and the coach doesn't care. He's like, as long as you do your job, what's he going to do? He can't give you a curfew. They can't, you know what yeah, I mean? You're, like, a grown it's man. you're a grown man. They're yeah. paying you for a service. You're, you're providing, providing that service. Yeah. As long as you do it, what you do outside the rink, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So they're not going to question what you're doing or be like, come on, guys. Like, you know, unless it gets out of hand and then, you know, legal yeah. stuff gets involved. But, you know, it, it's just, it, it was just the way of the world. Right. Yeah. But now that everybody's into, you know, accepting things and talking about it, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a good thing. And it's also <laughs> a bad thing. <laughs> no, just kidding. It's always a good thing. Always positive. I got to ask you different way, different route, uh, making the cut. Yeah. You were on that show. I was. Talk about that experience. I've been on a couple of TV shows, actually. I made a quick, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a quick appearance on Hockey Wives a couple of years ago. My buddy Patrick O'Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he when he wrote his book there, uh, breaking away the story about yep. you know his yep. you know his relationship with his father yep. and, and how corrupt and, and dangerous it was and his upbringing and, and the abuse and things like that. So his book launch was uh, was October in in Toronto a couple years ago, and uh, I was working at the private school and we just happened to have a, their school ed was on break. So at, at private schools, if you're a coach or an administrator, you have the same life as a teacher. Yeah. So you get the summers off, March break, Christmas, all that stuff, right? So anytime the school shut down, if we weren't playing or recruiting, psh, I was vacation mode. So I flew up to Toronto for the weekend, and that's where they film it up there. No, they uh, no, this is Sully's book launch. Oh, book launch, sorry. Yeah, so yeah. and he had played, you know, in L.A. with Dustin Brown and yeah. um, Jason LaBarba. Barbara, sorry, and uh, their wives came to Toronto um, for his book launch. Yeah. So, of course, they were on Hockey Wives, and <laughs> cameras were following us around at the Blue Jays game, the playoff game there. And Joey unreal. bats with the bat flip, right? And you were at that game. Oh yeah. Aww. So and and they're all and the cameras are falling, the girls are running, and you just hear all the guys screaming like, "We love you!" Right? And <laughs> they're just everybody's interested in the girls. They don't care. Of course. They don't care that like Solly's there, Carcello's like you know a bunch of NHL guys are there, or whatever, yeah. right? So they're just like fixated on the cameras and the girls. So the night of the book launch, Jeff Merrick was doing the Q and A and. Yeah. We were we were there having some beers and and me and Sully were sitting at the table and all of a sudden they stroll in and the night that Hockey Wives was aired my phone and it, everybody's blown they're like you're not you don't even have you're not even married like you don't even play and they're like how are you on this show and it was like oh man 
That's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. So people, I like, and of course, like once you're once it's on TV or the it's there forever. Like, That's even the dream. this podcast, right? Like it's you forever. once it's out there. It's out forever, right? Like, and people are like, "Oh, you can delete it or whatever." No, no. you can't. Um, we had Prust on here. He's on that show. Oh yeah, he's saying he's loving it. He's oh, like, yeah. "Yeah, like I, I walk on the streets and girls come up to me and they say they love my wife. It's great." Yeah, oh, he's yeah, like, "People perfect. don't even know I was a hockey player. They no. just think I'm the guy on the show." Oh yeah, oh, I'd be okay with that <laughs> yeah. too. Guy did all right for himself. Not bad, eh? Jeez, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, making the cut. So after my overage year in uh, Rouen, yeah. I came back and uh, wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I was talking to some university teams and was talking to Grand Rapids and Providence in the American League and possibly, you know, getting a tryout. So wasn't really sure. So actually, uh, I went to do a visit at St. Thomas in Fredericton. And yep. Kyle McAllister and Brad Woods and Derek Campbell were the guys that picked me up and, and showed me around and took me out and yeah. went over to Mike Eagle's place for dinner and – met the family and chatted and started talking, you know, specifics. And they were like, oh, we're in Halifax next week. And I was like, why? Uh, And they're like, we're looking for a place to stay. And I was like, well, you guys can stay at my parents' place, whatever, right? We got actually got tons of room. I was like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're trying out for this TV show. I was like, what? So they were telling me about it. And I was like, I had no clue. So I called... Went to a payphone, called my parents back in in Bedford, and I was like, Dad, get on the internet and find out about this thing or whatever. So he got on and looked it up, and sure shit, there was tryouts for, um, they wanted the best unsigned free agents in the country to come together. So we did a camp in Halifax, and basically they evaluated every player, and you got a scoring system, and then the top whatever players made it to the next round. What kind of drills did they have you doing? Oh man, the first drill was literally because okay, so I think it was Father's Day weekend. Okay, oh yeah, so it's like right now almost or yeah, next weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Father's Day weekend, and all these kids had signed their dad up because it was basically like become an NHL player. <laughs> Sign their dad. So anybody could sign up for this thing, right? So like kids are five, ten, whatever. They're signing their dad up to come try out, right? So like we, you know, and we're signing up and. There's not, it's not like there's a list post. It's just, you know, you fill out the sheet and then they email you or call you with, yeah, hey, you've been accepted. You paid your fee, whatever. Here's, here's where you got to show up, right? And then they send you the medical and all that stuff. So the first drill, literally, we just skated and then they blew the whistle to pick it up and <laughs> then stop to make sure that nobody would drop dead of a heart attack or that everyone was physically able to <laughs> skate laps, right? And then bit by oh bit. So it was God. like, so the first session was two hours and bit by bit, like probably 80 people on the ice and then 80, 60, 30, 25. And then it was like the only guys that were lasted were all the guys that either played junior university or, you know, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I think Scotty Allison may have actually came out. So he had been done playing for a while, but was doing the real estate thing. And I think might have been still doing senior or something. Oh, yeah. So like he was out, the guys like that. Like, so, I mean, there was a lot of people and, That's it, and Halifax was the only place that was hosting Atlantic Canada. So like guys from Newfoundland were flying no in PEI, New Brunswick. So Kyle and Woodsy came down. And if they, if I didn't go on that recruiting trip to St. Thomas, I never would have went on the show. So <coughs> I ended up being the second highest rated player out of the Halifax camp going and Canada day by I think Nickelback was playing on Citadel Hill yeah and <laughs> it was Bell making the cut so Bell was the major sponsor and part of the gig was 
cameras would follow the guys around as we got a call on July 1st from Scotty Bowman or Mike Keenan, who were the two coaches, right, for this show. Yeah. Saying, hey, you made the cut. You're coming to BC to film the show, right? (laughs) So where the fuck do you think I am on Canada Day (laughs) at noon hour? Absolutely bombed. And the camera's following you. No, no. They're bombed on Citadel Hill. The cameras, and they're going to my parents. Calling the house, calling this, like, you know. What do they expect? Well, that's what I said. Well, it was like noon hour on like a Saturday, I think. Well, that's what I said. I was like, that's your problem. But like, you know, because Canada Day hockey, you know, like, oh, this would be a great idea. Yeah. Maybe a great idea in everywhere but the Maritimes for Canada Day, right? Like, it's just a <laughs> like an Olympic event out here. That's funny. Oh, yeah. So I'm just shit. And they're leaving messages. And then there's a message from Scotty Bowman to call this guy at the show. And then there's a message from Mike Keen, like, please call us by dinner time. And so I get home, like, three days later, I show up <laughs> to my house. Three days later. Oh, buddy, I would just, like, my, I would just disappear for a couple of days, right? Like... <laughs> It was bad. I feel bad. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, and I got home and there was multiple mess. So I called the producer of the show back from the men. And they're like, yeah, they couriered the contract out, like confidentiality agreement, legal stuff. Um, because we were filming the show in August and it wasn't going to air until I think October to March or whatever it was. Right. I think it was a okay. weekly show starting in like the late fall or early yeah. winter, October, November, and would go till like March break, right? Yeah. So we weren't allowed to tell anybody. We couldn't say anything, right? So they fly yeah. us out to Silver Star Resort in Vernon, BC, in Kelowna. Wow. And I'm te- like, they didn't spare one cent First class on all this. the way. It eh? was amazing, man. Like CBC, or no, CBC put it on? Yeah, CBC yeah. and Bell, right? Yeah. And Molson was a huge sponsor. And Money's coming we're in. We're at that five-star, like, Silver Star Resort is like... The I whole mean, country was watching that show, It was man. massive, It's a big man. show. So we were there, you know, we got, we had to wear our credentials and security stuff to get around. And because the resort was open to regular people, right? Because it's a mat and in the, it's a ski, ski resort in the winter. In the summer, they turn the ski hills into like BMX trails and you can do the walking thing or whatever. So it's massive. Oh yeah. And it overlooks the Okanagan Valley and like the, you know, and then, so, I mean, they, you know, and again, there was 60 players that were 60 of the best free agent unsigned hockey players in the country. So you must have knew some other people. Oh, yeah. I knew, I knew a handful of guys. Plus, yeah. I've made friends on that show that yeah. I still talk to today. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, oh, yeah. It was, it was a great experience. Um, and because of that show, I ended up doing a movie, the Canada-Russia series. Um, when they redid the 72 series, they shot it in Fredericton. No way, you were yeah, in that? so we did. They So they got the, the Stu and UMB hockey teams to do a lot of the on-ice stuff. And then uh, there, was a, there was a game, Canada versus Sweden. So myself and Jeff Bateman, of course, blonde guys, pale skin. It's like, oh, yeah, these yeah. guys look like Swedes, right? Yeah. So, but they had, there was an altercation where in one of the games, um, Cashman gets speared and splits her high stick and splits his tongue open, right? And then there's like a big, like a... Uh, almost like a brawl in, under the tunnel and the, trying to get to the rooms. Yeah. And uh, so I actually have to speak in it. So they're like, oh, this guy's an actor. Throw me a trailer. Dude, you must have got paid the, for that. Oh, if yeah. you have any line I'm in a movie, the, you're making oh, big yeah. bucks. I, part, I ended up having to join like ACTRA, the Actors Union or whatever. Do you have an IMDb? 
No, I'm not that. <laughs> it's not like I don't think local local tel- CBC television shows back in the early 2000s were uh, whatever making, man making I- IMDb. No, I wish I'd complain if I were you'd get yeah, on there because you need uh, you needed three like credits to your name to be part of the union, oh. and then so I ended up with three because of uh, making the cut. Making the cut. Um, the 72 series and then this. uh, the housewives, how oh, yeah, hockey wives. And then we did some of the hockey shooting for the miracle movie too. Todd Harkins and some of the guys from, um, like the miracle Bell making the cut. Yeah. We're, were the Russian players and the, really? yeah. So they did. So a lot wow. of that stuff. So again, like the game, like anything you do, like if you're a baseball player, like, Take advantage of it, right? And use it to open as many doors as you and do as much as you can, whether it's to get a, you know, a degree, trap, whatever it is. If you're good at it, that's your commodity. That's, you know, that's your brand. Make as much money off that or use it to your advantage. What do you think I'm doing with this? Well, exactly, right? Because it ends. It comes to an end. Well, for me, if you're an athlete, it will end, right? And again, I'm not... Sidney Crosby, I'm not, you know, Nathan McKay, I'm not famous. I'm not an NHL guy who's got millions of dollars in the bank, right? Yeah. But I tried to be and I wanted to be, right? So I don't view myself as a failure. I'm glad. Like, I respected the game of hockey more than anybody. And I, it's funny on my Twitter, it's like you respect the game and the game will respect you back, right? You love the game, the game will love you back. You love your dog, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You give it, you get it back. You put out what in the world, you get it right back. Exactly, yeah. right? Like, and and I know people like Karma, they laugh at it or whatever, but it's true. It's it's a. I'm a strong believer in it. You know, like absolutely. The, there's a lot of good that comes to people that do good, um, and there's a lot of bad that comes to people that just burn people and don't care, right? So you know, and you like you said, you said it perfectly. You give what you get. So yeah. Um, yeah, so the hockey, you know, the TV thing, it, it was quite the ride and bell making the cut was, was crazy. Like that was legit an NHL training camp in two, three weeks. There was guys, I remember there was guys throwing up oh, like on nuts. the, on the show. Yeah. Like it was like the first day we had like, cause again, guys are being flown in from all over the country. So the first day was just medicals kind of get, you know, adjusted, meet everybody. Were you in shape? No, no. I was gonna say it was in the summertime. <laughs> Over after my overage year junior, thinking <laughs> university. Like at this point, it's August, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I've already decided I'm going to school, right? Yeah. So I just uh, we had worked out a deal at St. Thomas. So I was like, <laughs> man, we don't start like hockey doesn't start till October. Little did I know that Eagles was like a fitness Nazi, right? <laughs> so he's just like, you know, but. So You're I drinking just, light beer all summer. Yeah, I may have gotten tennis elbow and failed my physical from drinking so much. Um, yeah, we. Uh, oh man, like we had a lot of fun. Like, and then fitness testing like the next day, and then shuttled down to the rink to do more and like a tons of like green screen video stuff, right? Because they wanted. They wanted all that stuff for commercial, like, you know. They need the personality. Yeah, the personality, and they need to learn about guys. So, like, we were, you know, being interviewed by, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and, to you sell know, sport, yeah, okay. and, like, Saul Miller was there and all this stuff. So we can start to understand, like, you know, get inside our heads and help us or, you know, when the Maple Leafs are drafting Dominic Noel at the end of the show or whatever, you know, it's like they actually know a bit about the guy like they would an actual kid that they've 
done their research on and would draft in the NHL draft, right? Yeah. Do the interviews, talk to the agent, talk to, you know, all that stuff, talk to the kid, watch the kid, meet him, you know, half a dozen times, right? So that's what they, they were trying to get all this information for when the show aired, we had it. And when they interviewed people or, you know, if there was an incident or some sort of drama, they would be like, you know, this. And, well, this is because of this happened. Yeah, because exactly. he thinks like this. And, then, because of- and because we were, and we were all aware that we were followed 24-7 by cameras. We had cameras in our rooms, everywhere, right? Did that so suck it's or like, did you care? I didn't care. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Well, there's some people that fucking hate it. And there's some well, guys that just love the camera. Yeah, so like and there, there was, and, and Molson had rented one of the lounges in the resort yeah. for us and just footed the bill. It was open tab, no. like they had pool tables, uh, food. It was like a pub, right? So we could, we had free run in the place, never paid. For, we just had to sign our name, what room we're in, and they picked it up. So they were starting to get a little concerned because we were never hanging out in there. Where were you hanging out then? We were leaving the resort because we didn't want cameras seeing what we were doing. So you, there was parts where you didn't like it then. Well, that part, yeah. So like <laughs> when you're because, sober, yeah, you don't so mind. when we had the credentials and stuff on, I was Mike Couch from Bell making the cup. But like when we call, like we would take our stuff off, run to the main gates, call a couple cabs. Yeah. Like after kind of everybody, like it got dark or whatever. Oh, we're gonna go for dinner. Yeah. Like you know, just me, and then we'd leave the resort. Yeah. And we just give fake names and, you know, we weren't, we were just on vacation or whatever, yeah. right? We weren't hockey players. We weren't doing a show or anything like that. And we'd leave. We're just guys. So they were like, what's going on or whatever? Like, and they wanted more drama. So that's when things oh, they were like. Oh, because they wanted to film in the lounge. In the lounge I see what you're saying. They okay, want to see, okay, you know, okay, guys okay. get crushed or like, if yeah. I don't like you, like, let's, <laughs> you know, like, let's swing pool cues at each other. Let's take it outside and scrap, you know, like. That's did, what they were wanting. Did the producers ever ask you to create fake drama? Oh, yeah. They, well, they asked Because they, there was rules. Like, we weren't allowed to fight. They didn't want fighting or any of that stuff. But, you know, we're all junior. Like, you know, yeah. and this is the early 2000s. So it's like, you yeah. got to show that you can do this stuff, right? I mean, I just came four years out of, yeah. you know, the queue with an average of 160, 180 penalty minutes. Like, but I wasn't getting those by taping sticks. And, but it's funny because hockey guys off the ice, they're, all, you most, they're mostly good guys. Yeah, There's no drama reserved. off the ice. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants it. It's yeah, like, man, care. like, I just want to kick back, relax, yeah. and I'll take it all in and observe other people's. Yeah. You know, and the producers are probably just like, oh, they're going to hate each other off oh, the yeah. ice. Like, ah, oh, fuck it. No, it was Good like, fight today, eh, bud? Oh, it was <laughs> nuts. And I mean, like, because there was two teams, and as they cut guys, like, they were shipped off to, like, the other side and weren't allowed to be with, the like, the rest of us, the main group. And, yeah. Then you're like, oh, you've got to do morning skate. Then you got to play a game. Then we're going to make you guys practice in the afternoon because we got to get that for tomorrow. So it's like I was sleeping under tables at the rink, like just trying to catch a quick nap, like wow. between like morning skate, then a game, and then practice. It was like this is crazy. Like, oh, it was not, like I was exhausted. Like I think I lost probably 10, 15 pounds by the time I got back. Holy shit. Yeah, it was nice. It was super condensed. A lot of fun, but also, again, like I wasn't really – I mean, I was in decent shape. Yeah. I mean, I was coming, you know, and I've always been – I have a decent body type where I don't – my weight doesn't fluctuate, so it's High not metabolism. like – Yeah, so it's not like when I shut it down. Like I always would throw my gear away for like a month. Yeah. As soon as the season was over and do nothing. Like yeah. I would just party and whatever. And then I'd grab nice. and then, hey, back and then call Japes and we're going to start. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the TV thing is it's, it's taken me places. I met a lot of people. Um, <laughs> kind of seems to be the theme of this, uh, this chat today about everybody that I know or claim to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, talk about it. So, Arm Dogs are Colby Armstrong. He's yeah, having a good so, time here. Yeah, yeah. Col- yeah. So, I played in hockey helps almost with Todd Warner. 
uh, fundraiser that's that was here in Halifax uh, over the summer. Jules was there too, right? Yeah, and Jules George. Eddie and, and George was yeah. here, and Ramsey Big came back for it, and uh, Rick Jackman, yeah. and, and I think Bernie Nichols. So I mean, it's and Hockey Helps the Homeless is a nonprofit. <clears throat> it's it's a legit organization, and they do them all throughout uh, the country and. It just brings awareness and money to homeless veterans in whatever city you're at. And Halifax actually has a lot of them, which is one of really? the reasons why we participated. Yeah, it was crazy. I didn't we, know that. Yeah, not, not a lot of people do, right? Because it's in our city, like you don't really see, like we don't have like a section of homeless or like an yeah. area under a bridge where you're like, yeah, you just don't go to that part of the city. They're like kind you of spread out. Like you would in Chicago or LA or something, right? Or New York where it's like, you know, there's areas where you just they avoid. push them all to one. Yeah, and they all migrate to that area or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, here we don't have it. They're, they're everywhere. They're, it's... Not everywhere. They're not everywhere. Well, they have, you know? yeah, for sure, yeah. Not numbers everywhere, but yeah. spread out geographically. Like, you see the odd person panhandling at... Bears Lake here. You know, yeah, the you know Five Corners and, you know, Quinpool and then Windsor Street Exchange, places like that. But mm. that, I think, is most people's perception of homeless, right? They don't think about people that went to fight in the war, been in the military, and now no. come back and... Again, yeah. didn't talk or solve issues or were given a support system or whatever, right? And things just spiral out of control. And that's one thing that I've really tried to be cognizant of is yeah. not labeling or judging <clears throat> people that when you see them, right? Because I used to be like that. But, oh, look at that loser. Look at that guy. What he, he fucked that up or yeah. what he did to deserve that, right? Yeah. And fast forward 20 years later and look at me, right? Like, so going back, don't judge, right? Just... Help. You know, help or shut up to, yeah, yeah, just don't, don't make it worse. Don't feel bad or don't put the guilt on it or don't try to make yourself feel better or make your situation better by chopping somebody else down. So the hockey helps the homeless is great. I recommend anybody who's a hockey fan, um, or just wants to help people out to, to check it out. They have a website or whatever. It's going to come back to Dartmouth, uh, next summer. Is it? Um, yeah, it'll be a yearly thing. Like uh, this summer coming up, you mean? Or they're not doing it this maybe summer? Maybe it's the fall. Summer or fall. I can't remember. I have to check. Let oh. me know. We'll, we'll come. We'll come yeah, film and do sure, some yeah. stuff. Be so cool. anyway, I met uh, Toddy there, and uh, the guys that we played with were great, and we kind of hit it off. And yeah. You know, shooting the shit. So he's like, I'm back for the Memorial Cup. Let's get together. So, and then uh, when I was working at the prep school, we used to play in Shadyside Academy and then Midwest Prep. So that's in Pittsburgh. So I would bust down with the boys. We'd play for the weekend, and then I would fly Toronto, Toronto, Montreal, do some recruiting, and then get back to school. Because instead of taking the bus directly back, I would yeah. just. And Colby was always on that flight from Pittsburgh to Toronto. On I don't even know what it was that flew into Toronto Island. Billy Bishop there. Yeah. Um. So he was always on that flight, and he's buddies with uh, he. You know him and Steve Dixon played together in Wilkes-Barre. So I I knew him. You know through Dix and. You know, buddies with, uh, like I said, Patrick O'Sullivan, Dan Carcillo, and they ran with those guys in the NHL. So, you know, he, he messaged me and knew him a little bit and sent me a message. And so we were chatting, and they were a little upset with the uh, with the weather because they kind of been con like confined to the hotel, which I totally agree. It's like, you know. Did they bring their clubs? No, they didn't. didn't I was hoping because no. today would have been the day, the right? Day, but, yeah. you know, they've been treated. He said, like, they've got nothing but magic for this city, right? They love it. And they said, you know, we've been, you know, they go to the Ale House for a couple after the show's done or whatever. Yeah. And people, like, he's like, they don't even, they don't care. Like, they don't come up to me and want to take my picture. They don't. It's like, here, have a beer. Can I buy you a beer and all this stuff? Yeah. Like, He's like the people out here again. It just 
when you hear stuff like that, it restores your faith in humanity. Like there are, there are good people still around, right? Like as much as we say the world is, you know, a shitty place or it's dangerous or whatever, there are good people. That's why I think Sid grew up in the best city. Well, Best hockey sure. player in the world. Imagine if you lived in Toronto. Oh, he'd be, yeah. You nuts. know what I mean? I mean, it's, yeah. So, I mean, here again, we allow people to be who they are and do their own thing. And, yeah, I mean, everybody once in a while wants a picture or an autograph or something that's never seen the guy. But for the most part, like, if I'm out or you're out, the last thing you want to do is harass somebody you don't know. Like, that's going to ruin your night, too. It's yeah. like, I'm going to look like a. You know, whatever. Yeah. So it's like, I'll just buy the guy a beer, say hi. If he wants to talk to me, great. If not, yeah. You know, who am I to impose or try to force a friendship on somebody, right? Yeah. Or try to pretend to be somebody because you know people. It's like, you know, you know, basically, hey, I'm buddies with it just to let them know that you're, you know, you're not a super fan or, you know, you're a decent guy. You're not looking to just be a groupie or, you know, there's nothing to be said. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. It is what it is. It's uh, they're good. They love the city. Um, Army's had some some stories to to share. I was gonna um, say they they really enjoyed the King of Donair there that uh, the yeah. Tara Sloan thing that uh, that she's been doing the tour of Halifax yeah, yeah, there yeah. with the boys. So it's been good. They had a great time at Keys Brewery. Um, we're gonna probably get together tonight um, after the banquet there. Right so, on. Um, you know, maybe drop we'll, the high button. on Yeah, him, we'll, man. we'll we'll definitely pump the podcast for sure. Maybe Do it. I was thinking maybe you'd even just you know happen to be walking around and we'll see. We'll invite you over, get the introduction, and have a beer. And absolutely, and I'll just mosey on out, and you can. <laughs> hey, man, you got to come on the high button. There you go. We'll, we'll set That's it up how it for works. you. Good team guy, right? Good good, good room guy. guy. I've seen him a bunch like this trip, but there's never he's all like people are in the media world down there just talking to him. Oh yeah, he's a big wig down there to the oh, media world. Time. So we're just like fuck, we don't need to talk. Or you run into him in the bathroom and it's like yeah am i gonna corner this guy in the men's bathroom yeah, like, yeah. Eh, probably you know not. you know who has been getting cornered in the washroom was uh, i ran into a dubis the the oh, kyle dubis kyle, the gm of yeah the Maple so i was in there like three three times when he was in there and the guy's just taking a piss and there's people talking to him while he's trying to take a piss i'm like oh man <laughs> i felt so bad for the guy uh, the guy's just trying to yeah just go to the bathroom yeah like, just go to the bathroom there's probably one just, of the most one of the most private things you should do be able to do yeah. in life and it's like people are going right like you know if there's an empty stall you keep your distance now uh, you right gotta keep the to yeah you gotta <laughs> gotta have the etiquette and go buffer zone anyways it's been a funny week yeah that's um, good we're coming up on two hours here i gotta ask you before you go you might not be happy actually no there's Two things I got to talk to you yeah. about. One, I was told to ask you, were you ever in Quake Matthews' backyard playing road hockey or ice hockey with Robbie Foster? Yes. Because he said you were in his backyard playing yeah. ice hockey. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. What was that like? Um, <laughs> just a Canadian day just, playing just, hockey? Yeah, just so um, Robbie Foster and I were good friends growing up, and his old man, Mike, was my coach, like minor hockey and things like that. Yeah. Um, and Mike's good friends with Jai, and... Yo, you and, know Jai. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jai's a great guy. Phenomenal, right? And yeah. then obviously training at, you know, with Japes and the boys. We used to do our sprint work and footwork stuff at St. Mary's. So I yeah. see Jai out there painting the lines all the time yeah. and smiling or whatever. So, yeah, so we'd, we'd go over and the boys would, you know, on the backyard rink. You had a great rink. Oh, phenomenal. Flat. Right? So we were, yeah. And, you know, we just had fun. We'd go over there whenever whenever we could and... We we made a thing of it to when any any time there was an outdoor rink in, in anyone's neighborhood, we'd be like, All yeah. right, let's go. Yeah. Right. And then you just mom and dad be like, Make sure you're home by the time the street lights come on or and sometimes you know. you'd make it, sometimes you wouldn't. Well, when we were younger, we always made it right. Because yeah. there was the fear of losing something, right? Yeah. Fear was a good motivator <laughs> back when we grew up. 
So yeah, no. Um, yeah. Good times. Door. Yeah, real good. That's that's funny. That's way back. Well, he was just the guy who messaged like me. He's junior like, high. Junior high? Maybe your high school. Junior high. I'm thinking junior high, maybe. Wow. That's yeah. a throwback. Big time. And then you don't have to answer, but you played for both teams, Mooseheads and Rouen. So you got to give me something here. Who do you want to win? And uh, who do you think is going to win, I guess? Um, well, I said it yesterday. I said whoever won the semifinal, I think, is going to win the tournament. Okay. I think Guelph is, was like on paper and just their roster and the way that they played in the playoffs. Like I think they were the best team. Yeah. Um, again, I don't think they took advantage of certain situations. Again, I'm not their coach, and uh, it's way above my pay grade, so I'm not going to criticize a guy's job. But yeah. from what we saw, like I just don't think that they took advantage of things and played up to their – you know, the way they should have in order to win this thing or to be a, a favorite. Okay. Um, Halifax, I don't think, wants to play Ruin at all as much as they say we do, but they've beaten them, what, five times in the last eight days? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I mean, they've got their number. I think overall Ruin, again, a better team than Halifax. If yeah. Halifax's star players are their star players, then and I think... And Gravel has to play amazing, too. Yeah, I think, th I think they'll be all right. But I think there's a huge mental block inside that Moosehead locker room. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I think they're just... I know they beat them twice in, in the President's Cup final, but there's just something to be said about a team that you just can't get over the hump or put away. Right? Maybe they, they just haven't. need to visualize. Well, I mean, if they're... <laughs> not in the rink right now and listening to this <laughs> hopefully they learn something or take something on uh onto the uh onto the ice with them or into the locker room that can benefit them and again if anybody that's listening to this thing ever you know is struggling the, the best thing i can say is just ask for help talk to somebody that you trust within your circle talk to your parents girlfriend wife boyfriend brother sister whoever it is um and listen that's the other thing too is listen, mm. right? Just as far as the when we were talking about like mental health and addiction and all that stuff, like now that it's out there, and like I said, I was a little nervous about maybe talking about it because once it's out there forever, it's out there. But like I said, I it's it's time. I'm yeah. comfortable with it. Um, nothing to hide. Um, people are gonna come up to you now because the person we were talking about before after yeah. the episode, he said that people were just messaging left, right, and center. So yeah. after this comes out, there's gonna be people that are oh, reaching yeah. out to you, and that's fine. And I mean, I should give a shout out to Scotty Bonnerchuk, uh, Andrew's old man. He's been a huge help to really? me. Yeah, he uh, he was he's in the program. Um, you know, he's got over 30 years of sobriety in him now. Um, and he's been huge for me. He's, you know, he were, he's, he's been working with other NHL players. Um, and a lot of people don't know about the, the good work that he does, but he's been a huge mentor for me, best friend, you name it. Um, confidant. Um, again, it's just a guy that if I'm struggling or he's struggling or whatever, it's, Hey, let's go for a coffee. And there's no judgment. There's no, there's no whatever, right? There's, there might be some tears or there might be a, you know, don't be an idiot. You're not that you know you're not that lost you're not, not that, that out of bad. it yeah. yeah you know and and you know he's he's been great and there's been other people in the city that you know i'm just not going to mention their names but they they have been great too um it's funny because we live in a world where we're taught to say hey if you need anything give me a call or i'm always there but i've learned that it's just what you say because you're supposed to say it people don't actually mean it some do and when you go through a situation like I went through or other people have gone through, um, 
you you start to realize the people that mean it and that actually do care. I mean, I lost friends over it, and I've lost people that I've I've hurt because I was you know a shell of myself and I wasn't you know present and I burned people and hurt them. So um, I've got to live with that. But it's like you know you start to see who really is your brother, who really is a teammate or who really is a family member that, hey, reaches out and say, hey, man, you need a place to stay or you need a job or you want to talk, you want to go for coffee, you want to go bowling, swimming, golfing, something other than, hey, let's go to a bar, or, hey, let's go, yeah, you know, whatever. So um, <clears throat> if you're somebody who struggles with mental health or addiction issues, um, you know, shoot, give me a call, give me a message. Um Pascal Morinci's another guy who played in Cape Breton, who him and I fought a lot when I was in Halifax and he was in Cape Breton. Yeah. And then uh, he went through same thing. Um, it's funny how that identity works. Identity loss, um, substance abuse no issues, way. all that stuff, right? Um, and he reached out to me uh, when I was really struggling. And, you know, I had sent him a message like, hey, man, you know, I went to rehab, all this stuff. And here's where I'm at and dealing with some depression and all. And he was every day he'd message me until I called him back and wanted and started talking about and Just working cared. through things. And that's a guy that if anybody saw us on paper, like just saw us together on paper, they would think that we hate each other because we fought so many times. Right. But we ended up being teammates in Rouen and, you know, wow. he was, I learned about him through dicks and some of the guys in that had played with him in Cape Breton. And then I played with him and saw what he was all about and fell in love with the guy. And was like, this guy is a true, a true, like compassionate person. Right. And now he's like a, a motivational and a life coach. And, a, you know, he speaks to people and talks about mental health and addiction and all that stuff. And wow. so he was, yeah. So big shout out to, to Mo there. He's been, he's been a huge help for me. And then obviously, you know, Dan Carcello, he's been through everything and he's been a huge advocate for mental health and addiction things. So, um, I've messaged him a bunch too, um, because again, those guys were my buddies and there's three out of the four of us that were in that really tight group that have all been to treatment and had to, to get things together. And so it's, uh, it's more common than people think it's still scary and dangerous, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. So hang in there. If you're, if you're somebody that, that struggles and if you're not turn your ears on and open your eyes and, and try to help people or just, you know, hold doors, talk, smile at people. Don't judge them. Right. Make you feel welcome. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much it, I guess. I, love I it. mean, we, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk <laughs> to you, tell you stories. I mean, I'll, I, we can do this again. I think there's going to be a round two for sure. I think so. I think we got to get into some hockey stuff and specific. So you're living here, eh? Yeah, full okay. time back here. Like I said, doing um, doing a lot of on ice stuff with Sean, player development in Bedford Minor Hockey, um, yeah. and doing my uh, training for financial services advisor and uh, life insurance and all that stuff uh, for freedom 55 so okay starting to create a new life and a new path for myself and happy to be doing it back home that's and, awesome yeah started to like i said the uh, the glass isn't just full of hockey stuff now right it's it's more life and education and and, it's and, great. and passing a message on and being being a, a real teacher and mentor instead of pretending or falsely yeah. hoping that I survive yeah. every day, right? It's yeah. let's start living and having some fun. But Huskies are going to win the Memorial Cup. <laughs> and on that note,
good luck everyone and thanks for tuning in and justin like i said thanks for having me man hi button everybody uh give it a follow subscribe <laughs> you're just and, doing my job right now <laughs> well you know i figured i've talked for an hour and 50 minutes you might as well just keep keep those feet up and it uh, makes my job easier though Hey man, I like I said, you you made me feel real welcome and comfortable. So you're that's hats off to you, right? I've Appreciate done it. I've done interviews where it's like I'm gritting my teeth and like this I'm, guy is like I'm not an interviewer. I, no. I always say that. I'm yeah, just the just, I'm a listener, I'm yeah. a conversationalist. I don't exactly, like right? you just like to listen. For sure. And that's what you're doing. You're trying to bring a different perspective or hear other people's voices about yeah. certain things that again, no one no one's calling me to hear my story, right? Because you're not famous, but my story, story. But my story is so common among people in this area. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Cam Russell and I were chatting last night and he's like, you know, once, once the draft's over and things have calmed down, he's like, let's get together and go for lunch and chat and yeah. we'll see what's up. And, you know, so, I mean, again, there's another guy who looked out for me when I was a teenager. Did he too? He, he, he's yeah. a guy who reached out Phenomenal. to you too? Phenomenal. I mean, Cam, he was, li- you know, he lives over in, in Cole Harbor and stuff. So Bruce Gillis and I used to go over there and do his landscaping for him in the summer. <laughs> He'll tell you, he'll, he'll, he'll make fun of me for this. And actually I'll just say it because like Bruce Gillis was like the hardest working guy I've ever met. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and phenomenal teammate. Yeah. Like we, we always joke about, ah, oh, good room guy and yeah. good teammate. Right. And that's the polite and the political way. But Gilly was the consummate professional at the junior level. Mr. Teammate, you know, hosted the parties, you know, him and I back and forth because we both lived at home and our parents, you know. Yeah. So we just switched the parties back and forth and, you know, him and I lived together at Stu. So he's he's one of the, the best guys I've ever met. And he, uh, <laughs> I got a lot of stories about Gilly actually, but we, uh, the land, the landscaping, he, like he would show up like legit, like steel toe work boots, got the jeans on with the holes, the gloves on, like ready to work. And I'd show up like Oakley sunglasses, t-shirt, bar union, you can be like, you got to work, man. Okay, and I'd be like, say that? Oh yeah. yeah I'd be like, Gilly's got like the wheelbarrow and the shovels going. And I'm like practicing it's 30 degrees outside like let's get the beers going and get a tan here right like gilly's digging in the dirt and stuff and then cam oh yeah it was awesome like like i said they they would just do the extra force and again it was like sean moved a couple times he called me up me like here's a couple hundred bucks move my fridge and couch and it's like when you're only making 35 bucks a week playing junior right it's like that's that's big money Right. And plus it's your coach. Yeah. You know, you're building, you're forming a relationship with your coach outside of hockey of him either trying to motivate you or teach you and sometimes have to discipline you. It's like, yeah, here we go. Right. And starting now. Yeah. now, Now off the ice, we have a relationship. We're friends. Yeah. Cam's the number one coach who's cut me the most because I've always got <laughs> called up to the moose and then he'd be like, all right, oh, you're yeah. going down, you're going up, you're going down. And every time he'd go, you know, Belanger, you know, it's a great game, but a shitty business, buddy. Oh, yeah. You know, just keep getting up, keep trying. Anyway, shout out to Cam. He's a great guy. Yeah, too. He's phenomenal. up in the press box too. I always try to talk to him. But oh, they, yeah. These guys are him and Bobby. They're so oh, busy, man. Yeah, it's, it's a tough week for those guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, Halifax, phenomenal city. Glad they got to host everything. Oh, it's but time. it's, yeah, it could be tiresome for sure. All right. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on, man. We've got to get you back on here Absolutely. Again. All right, everyone listening, make sure to subscribe, like, comment, Instagram, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. You know what to do. I love each and every one of you, and we're out. Peace, guys. Peace.